I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that Joe Biden is finally ending the COVID restrictions. The bad news is he's only ending them for illegal aliens who are trying to break into our country. Law-abiding American citizens still need to muzzle up, at least on public transportation, where the CDC has reportedly decided to extend the federal mask mandate for just two more weeks. Just two, two more weeks. Where have I heard that one before? At the same time, Joe Biden is officially ending the Title 42 Public Health Authority, first invoked by President Trump, that allowed immigration officials to turn away illegal aliens and send them back to their native countries relatively quickly compared to the rest of our system. So Biden is apparently worried that Americans might spread the new subvariance of the variant of the virus that even in its most virulent form never posed much of a threat at all to the vast majority of Americans. But he's not worried that millions of unvetted foreigners from countries with much lower public health standards than we have will spread the same virus to each other and to us. Great news for people who want to take advantage of our country. Bad news for our country's own citizens. In other words, more of the same. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Moose Chuckle, who says, I grew up poor. When I turned 18, I moved off, worked my derriere off to go to college. That's not the word he used. I just cleaned it up a little bit. And I made a life for myself. Uh, now I'm glad that my kids will have the same chance that I did, that is to grow up poor. <laughs> that's true. That's really looking at the bright side of things. Every storm cloud has a silver lining as we seem stuck like it's Groundhog Day. Two weeks after two weeks after two years later, here we are again, nothing changing. Here to help me make sense of this, because you know, we do not merely want to be pyromaniacs in a field of straw men. We want to hear out what the other side has to say and hear the best arguments for what, what seems to us to be absolutely absurd kind of policy. So we're very happy to be joined by Jen Perlman, who is an attorney, an activist, a former congressional candidate in Florida's 23rd congressional district, and right now the force behind the Generational Change podcast. And I love me a good pun. Jen, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So uh, Jen, this is our first time meeting. We haven't really spoken before. I don't know where you stand on this issue. Uh, frankly, I don't know where the majority of Democrats stand on this issue. But it seems to me, two years later, two years, now more than two years, after two weeks to slow the spread, isn't the COVID stuff over? Can't we move on and take the mask off and go back in public and just live live our lives? Well, I have. Um, you're, you're not going to get you're not going to get that much of an argument from me. I'm, I'm pretty vehemently opposed to mandates in general. Hmm. Um, I think that th the policies for covid from the beginning have been based on two things, fear and profit. And neither of those things are reason. And that's generally how I like to go about policymaking is through reason. And uh, that's not how it's ever been handled. So you, I, I, I totally agree with you. Do you think that that view, because I've heard other left-wingers say this, though it seems to be a, maybe a minority view on the Democrat side, just knowing the party, do you think that the majority of Democrats are with Biden on this and keep locking down and keep wearing masks? Or do you think they're ready to move on? 
Uh, okay. So when you say the majority of Democrats, okay, that's a very interesting thing because technically I'm one. I'm registered as one. I lived in I live in a closed primary state, so I have very few, I have no option for myself. But I don't agree with them. I don't support their policy. I don't like Joe, and I don't think the majority of people do. So when you say Democrats, like, yeah, there's going to be certain establishment, right, you know, blue or die people that are just going to say yes to whatever he said. But I don't think most people support him. I think his poll numbers show that. I think you're right about that. I mean, you know, the the poll numbers are in the doldrums and it's not just true of Biden. It's true for the entire administration. Kamala's down at 35% or something right now. Buttigieg has been there around the whole time. He was the next one they kind of wanted to make happen. So then- Good luck with that. Good luck. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going anywhere. So then, yes. then what does that mean for the party? Because I don't think that your anti-establishment, anti-Biden perspective is particularly fringe in the Democrat Party. If you look policy after policy right now, it, it would seem to me that the majority, or at least a huge number of Democrats, really don't like what Biden is doing. So, so yeah. what what does that mean for 2022 and 2024? Oh, I think it's very easy. We're going to get the Dems are going to get their asses handed to them this year, and. I am actually, and I've been saying this for a very long time, I truly believe your next president is going to either be Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Hmm. And and the Democrats are the only people that don't seem to know this. Actually, in Florida, they're extremely delusional. In Florida, they're actually running a race against DeSantis this year for governor that they have zero chance of winning. And in my mind, he's not even running that. He already won that. He's, he's running for president already. So the Democrats, at least in Florida, are very behind the eight ball. I think they're living in a fantasy land. And again, I'm referring to the people on the inside, the, the establishment Democrats, not just everybody who's registered as a Democrat. So is your issue with the party that uh, they, they're not enough like DeSantis? You know, we've got to go, they've got to go much further to the right. Or are you hitting them from the left? Oh, I'm left of them for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm left of them for sure. Uh, but my issue with all of it, is the corruption. Um, mm. If like I would support, let me tell you, I will support and I and I will do and I am doing that actually right now in North Carolina. I will support a non-corporate Republican mm. over a corporate Democrat. So for me, it comes down to who do you work for and who pays your salary? And the way I see it is they sh they're supposed to work for us. Those are our employees. They're extremely insubordinate. Um, and as a result, we can't get policy that the majority of people want. So I don't support anybody who's a corporate whore. And that goes for both sides of the aisle. I remember a lot of my friends in LA, some of whom were pretty prominent left-wingers actually, before 2016, they said, if the Democrats nominate Hillary, she's going to lose. I won't vote for her. My friends won't vote for her because she's this absolute corporate establishment shill. And, and it, she's, she won't offer us a choice. She won't, you know, it'll be a, an echo rather than a choice to parrot the language of, of the right 50 years ago. So what would your advice be right now? You're in the room. You've got all those crooked Democrat establishment types there who are just trying to run the same old playbook. What would you tell them to do to have a chance against a Trump, against a DeSantis, against whoever the nominee is going to be? Right now, the movement is populism. 
Okay, it's populism on the left, it's populism on the right. And I said this in 16, I said to people, I said, if you don't support Bernie, you're getting Trump. That's it. Hillary has no chance of winning. Um, I knew that then, I I understand it because she's horrible. Uh, There's nothing that would have made me vote for her. And so, you know, they are not responding to what people want and particularly what labor needs. Hmm. If you're not, see, labor is the unifying force amongst us. If you go Hmm. to a labor rally, for example, you're going to meet reds and blues there. And they're not going to be sitting there and arguing about wedge issues. They're going to be sitting there and be fighting for a living wage at their, where they work. And those are things that unify all of us. The, the Democrats need to get behind um, economic policy that will help people and stop worrying about wedge issues that are just there to make them look like they have some sort of like moral high ground. They're extremely sanctimonious. They don't offer any real substance of strategy or anything that will help regular people get themselves out of the mess that we're in right now. You know, you're you're so, focusing on something that's so insightful, which is look, I'm I'm a culture warrior. I think some of the cultural issues are important, especially now in education. I think they drive voters, but I think you're right on this labor point. Historically speaking, the party that can speak to American workers and can talk that language and offer them something very often does well because you get red and you get blue and which the, the party of Pittsburgh tends to do a little bit better than the party of Paris. And right now, Democrats have made themselves the party of Paris. Uh, I've got to let you go. I'm up, up against a break. Jen, where can people find you? I am at Generational Change on YouTube, Spotify, and on iTunes. And our website is generationalchange.com. That's generational with a J. And I'm at JenFL23 on Twitter. I love that. But next time you come back, by that time, I hope I will have a cool pun for my podcast title. We'll need a little bit of time to work on it. Maybe you can offer some suggestions. Hey, if I come up with something good, I'll give it Please. to you. I don't even see you. So uh, yeah, but if I think of something really good, I'll offer it to you. Please do. Email it over to me. I appreciate it, Jen. Jen Perlman, thank you so much for coming Absolutely. on. It's very important, folks. When you are trying to uh, change your country, you need to vote for the right candidates. And it's very important when you're trying to change and improve your company that you hire the right candidates, which is why you need ZipRecruiter. Right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. If you need to add more employees to your team, there is ZipRecruiter. Their matching technology helps you find the right people for your roles fast. It's not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and then you hope something sticks. ZipRecruiter, which you can try for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, has such effective technology that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. They will go out, they will help you identify those top candidates, they will invite them to apply. You know time is money and you know the most important investment you're going to make is in your employees. Personnel is policy, as they say. Find the right employees for your workplace with ZipRecruiter. You can try it for free at this exclusive web address. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is, again, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You know, I have to tell you, I expected more support for Joe Biden's policies from Jen, from a Democrat candidate. But when, when you look at the poll numbers, maybe I shouldn't have actually, because as, as she said, she said, look, I'm not a Republican. I don't support Republicans, but by a lot of Democrats don't support what Biden is doing right now. The poll numbers reflect that. I think the White House knows it. Frankly, I think that's why they're pushing the COVID stuff. 
is because I think they know when they're looking at how little support they have among even Democrats. When you look about something like the, the Florida law, the, the White House went all in opposing the Florida education law, and yet the majority of Democrats support the Florida education law the, the, that is being dishonestly called the Don't Say Gay Bill. So if you look at the, the electoral map, if you look at the, the voters and likely voters, Democrats are getting crushed right now. So it would seem to me their only chance to do even somewhat well in November is to rig the election, is to send out all those widespread mail-in ballots that are totally open to abuse, is to extend election day to election month, is to do all the sorts of stuff they did in 2020 that years ago, even Barack Obama admitted was extremely crooked and which in some cases is prohibited by state laws and state constitutions. I think that's what they're going for. I also think that there is a second issue here behind the, the mask on public transportation. I, and I haven't heard anyone talking about this. I think that Biden is afraid that if he lifts the mask mandates on public transportation, then the return to airlines, the return to, to travel is going to be so great that it's going to drive oil prices up even higher. Uh, this makes perfect sense to me. You're already seeing people going back to travel, but there are still impediments to it. It's still very uncomfortable. A lot of people still say, I'm not going to wear the mask. Well, right now we're in an all-time high in terms of uh, gas prices, certainly at the pump, oil prices are going through the roof. I-, I think part of the reason that they're forcing people to keep wearing these dumb masks is just to keep oil prices somewhat down compared to where they could be. It's a little bit cynical, but I, d- I don't think there's any depth of cynicism to which the Biden administration will not sink. That From the very beginning, they have used COVID as an excuse to get the political outcomes that they want that are sometimes even unrelated to, to COVID. Dr. Fauci has admitted this. Dr. Fauci, who I, you know, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you he was coming back. He went into witness protection for a few weeks, but he's coming back. He was just on MSNBC. He was discussing the lockdowns in China, the very heavy lockdowns in China. And he said, well, in a way it sort of kind of makes sense because you, you just use lockdowns to create incentives to get people to do what you want them to do. China has has a number of problems, two of which are that their complete lockdown, which was their approach, a strictest lockdown that you'd never be able to implement in the United States, although that prevents the spread of infection. And remember, early on, they were saying, and I think accurately, that they were doing better than almost anybody else. But lockdown has its consequences. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated so that when you open up, you won't have a surge of infections because you're dealing with an immunologically naive population to the virus because they've not really been exposed because of the lockdown. You, so many things that Dr. Fauci says here are so revealing. One, he changes his argument for lockdowns. Remember, the original argument for lockdowns was you need to flatten the curve, slow the spread. The reason for lockdowns is so that you don't overwhelm the hospital system. You're still going to get the same number of people infected, but if you spread it out, you won't go over the capacity of the hospital system so people won't needlessly die. That was the argument. They never made the argument, yeah, we're going to lock down so that we can force you all to take this experimental shot. They never made that argument because if they made that argument, people would have said two words to them and the words aren't happy birthday and they would have ignored the lockdowns. So he said, no, it's about flattening the curve and not overwhelming the hospital system. Now Fauci completely changes his argument. No, it's about, it's actually about getting people to take the shot. 
Furthermore, when he says that America is not going to engage in a Chinese-style lockdown, he's saying it with regret. (laughs) He's he's saying that that kind of a lockdown could never work in America, uh, but the Chinese were doing much better than we were. Much Much better. What they're doing is good. If only we could do that, but we have this damn democracy thing. We have this stupid constitutional system that prevents us from doing that. So he says, yeah, don't worry, we're not going to go where China's going. If only we could, would that it were so simple. And furthermore, I don't believe him that we can't go where China's going. Dr. Fauci said at the beginning of all the COVID nonsense, he said, you're not going to see lockdowns. They're not going to lock down New York or Los Angeles. I can't even imagine them doing that. And then what do they do? They do that for a lot more than two weeks, that's for sure. And they're probably going to do it again. So nothing he says here is true or honest. All of it is deceptive. And you can't even believe what he's saying now because he's contradicting what he previously had said. The the only thing I believe out of Fauci from that whole comment is that he views lockdowns and public health measures in general as major incentives to to get people to do whatever sort of political policy he wants them to engage in. That's what it's about. And sometimes it's a little more heavy-handed than at other times. Right now, if you if you're flying through Dallas Love Field, one of the airports in Dallas, you might encounter ornery TSA agents. You might encounter people yelling at you to put your mask on behind the counters. And you might encounter seven foot tall robots who threaten to call the police if you don't wear your mask properly. This is not the plot of some kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. This is not some dystopian crazy fantasy coming out of my tinfoil hat fever dreams. This is being reported right now in Fortune magazine. Dallas airport uses robocops to enforce mask policy. Listen to the nicest promotional uh, best marketing that these robots have. Welcome to Dallas Love Field Airport. All Ubers, Lyfts, taxis, and rental car shuttles are located on the lower level. To access the lower level, please use an escalator or elevator to proceed downstairs. The first thing that strikes me about these robots is, um, I don't think we're going to see Mrs. Robot anytime soon. I don't know, not to be stereotypical or anything. I don't think the robots wear shoes, but if they did, I think those sho- they would be a little, how do you say, a little light in the loafers, uh, just because it, well, it just, there's just something about the voice, sounds sort of very nice and calm. But they're not merely offering people directions, oh, here's how you get to the gate, oh, there's a delay, oh, this. The, the robots that are being tested out here might issue a verbal warning. This is a quote according to Fortune magazine. Uh, they, they are looking through their cameras to determine whether a passenger is wearing a face mask, which is still mandated. They might issue a verbal warning, if you're not, which could escalate in volume and severity if the infraction is not corrected. And the system can also call on-site security or the police if necessary. Are, are we living in China I know these days, especially when we look at it foreign policy, it's very fashionable to say, we're here in the land of the free. Thank goodness we're in the land of the free. Not like those autocratic regimes around the world, like Russia, or certainly not like China. That's good. 
Our, because our police enforcement robots speak English. Our constant surveillance everywhere and our requirement to muzzle ourselves wherever we go, it's, it sounds a little nicer and I don't know. It's very difficult to see the difference between the United States and China these days. Increasingly, it's difficult. I guess the only difference I can point out right now is that our movies are a little bit gayer. I think that's the big difference at this point. America in 2022, Biden's America, all the authoritarianism of China, but with movies that have a little bit more eccentric sex stuff. Because that is, the, the Chinese regime right now is clamping down on some of the more woke and eccentric and radical sexual ideologies uh, that the, the United States has been producing and exporting around the wor- world. So you've got right now Hollywood complaining about, for instance, the don't say gay bill in Florida, meaning the parental rights and education bill, which says you can't trans the five-year-olds. Hollywood is saying this is horrible. We're going to donate so much money against it. Disney staging walkouts. Disney is saying that they're going to fight this legislation in Florida around the country. And then Xi Jinping calls them up and says, hello, Mr. Disney. Uh, Your movie, specifically the, the new Harry Potter movie, has six seconds of an allusion to a gay relationship. Take it out or you're, you don't have access to our market. And what does Hollywood do? Do you think they make a courageous and principled stand for the rights of LGBT? No, of course not. They take the six seconds out. Because no matter how woke they are, cash is king for these people. And they're, they're, whether they're red, whether they're blue, their real ideology is green. And so they take the money from the Chinese communists. And what you're seeing is exactly what we're seeing at the border, exactly what we're seeing on Biden's COVID policy. What you're seeing is greater care and consideration being given to foreign nationals than to American citizens by our own elites, by the ruling class, whether it's in the government or in corporate America. They're, they have no problem with authoritarianism whatsoever. It's just that in America, they're going to make the movies a little bit more gay. If, that, if that's really all that separates us from China, that's really sad. <laughs> Frankly, if, if China is saying, hey, none of this transgender stuff, you don't, you, we're with Florida, you don't get to trans the kids in your movies, then you're going to be in this really bizarre scenario where we're, we here in America are going to have to go find the Chinese cut of these movies to show our kids. That's not the kind of situation you want your country to be in. It's not healthy. When you want to feel healthy, though, I'd recommend you check out Super Beats. Right now, go to superbeats.com slash Knowles. This is the new way to start your day, and you're going to love it. Super Beats Heart Chews, they are a tasty treat that gives you the energy you need, and that is good for you. No more afternoon coffees. Oh, should I have my sixth cup of coffee today? None of that. No more, oh, what about my 10th energy drink? No, maybe I'll just throw a little candy in for a quick pick-me-up. No, you just add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine to promote heart-healthy energy for your day without that caffeine crash. Super Beats Heart Chews, unique clinically researched grapeseed extract, promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be twice as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Do more for your heart. Treat yourself with Super Beats Heart Chews right now, only for our listeners. Get up to 45% off Four or five, that's a huge number. Plus free shipping at superbeats.com slash Knowles. 
This is their best offer available anywhere. We really appreciate Superbeats for supporting the show and for being a great product. So you should go check it out too. Superbeats.com slash Knowles. Get up to 45% off. Superbeats.com slash Knowles. These statements and products have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. I don't want to play as many clips from The View as I do. I don't, look, I don't want to. I don't think The View matters that much. I don't think The View really shapes political discourse. I don't think it's the cause of political discourse, but I do think it's a symptom of it. The reason that I play clips of Joy Behar saying stupid things or Whoopi Goldberg saying stupid things is, is not because I think they're influencing a whole lot of people. Maybe some housewives in blue states. Maybe, I don't know, but it's because they are perfectly embodying the degradation of American political discourse. There was, just the other day, they were talking about this issue of sexual ideology and LGBT and the terrible, awful Florida law that says you can't lop off the genitals of little kids and you can't talk about transgenderism in a kindergarten classroom. Actually, you know, the Florida law doesn't even say that you can't actually trans the kids. It just says you can't talk about transing the kids in certain classrooms. Vivek Ramaswamy has been calling it the wait till eight bill. Nine years old, you can try to transgender them, but eight, it's too far. But, but the view and the, the left in general, they're very upset about this. Take a listen to the, the great sophistication with which they're discussing the issue of sexual ethics. Who decided that a traditional marriage is a man and a woman? Who came up with this plan? Well, everything that exists in nature... Right? People say it's unnatural, but isn't everything that exists in nature by definition is, is natural? But is homosexuality even mentioned in the Bible? I don't think it is. I believe is it, it, it is. It is. I <laughs> like the other hosts. They say, no, no, Joy, it, it, no, it is. I mean, it's definitely mentioned. I know that Joy Behar has never cracked the spine of a Bible in her entire life, but no, it, it's mentioned. And there's, you know, there's actually a kind of long history of debating sexual ethics and, and morality but but what it boils down to, what they're actually expressing is this view that all that is, all that morality comes down to is if it feels good, do it. I remember having the thought that I don't know that woman's name, the, the guest on the show who said, if, if it if it happens in nature, it's natural. Come on, right? It's cool, so we should all do it. I remember having that thought when I was seven years old. I remember thinking, what do you mean? How's there a difference between natural and artificial in food or in anything else? When everything's got to come from nature originally, even if we make it in a laboratory, it's from nature because we're natural, you know, man, you know, right? That's, that's the kind of idea that a first or second grader has. And then hopefully they move past that to a deeper level of discourse. But her argument is that we need to sanction and even encourage all manner of sexual behavior, or I guess any other kind of behavior, if anyone has a natural impulse to do it because it's natural and therefore good. This gets to something we were talking to last uh, talking about last night on the backstage show, and it was a point that Drew kept driving home, which is, we have a right to norms. We have a right to standards. This was the thesis of my book, Speechless, which the people who haven't read my book think it's a book about how censorship is terrible and free speech is good, and the left is ba- bad and the right is good. And the book is actually a little more nuanced than that. And it, it says that this, we're actually looking at this issue in entirely the wrong way. And Drew articulated it pretty well last night. He said, we have a right to norms and standards. Someone can be born with five, five fingers total, two and a half on each hand and half a brain and missing a leg. And you could say that's natural, right? It happens in nature, but it's, 
it, it's a product of nature having imperfections. And we all have imperfections. And we all have things that are a little weird about us and, and that are a little bit off because this is a fallen world. That doesn't mean that there are no standards. It doesn't mean that people aren't supposed to have 10 fingers and 10 toes. And sometimes people don't quite hit those standards. It doesn't mean that society has to completely throw out all norms and, and all understanding of normative behavior. We have a right to that. It doesn't mean that we're going to be really mean to everybody and throw gay guys in prison or attach electrodes to people like the libs imagine that Mike Pence does or something. But we are allowed to have norms. We are allowed to say men and women are supposed to go together and they're complementary and that's at the center of human society because that's how we propagate the species and because men and women actually have something to offer to one another, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally and all sorts of things. And that's, that's good. And that's, that's what it, I think we're still allowed to say that. What the Democrats who are upset about the Florida law are arguing is that we don't have a right to say that. And it's, and it's an area where the conservatives don't really have an answer to it because what the conservatives have said, what, what the Democrats have said is the Florida law is about not saying gay. And of course, the word gay doesn't appear anywhere in the Florida law. So then the Republicans are coming in and they're saying, well, you might as well call it the don't say straight bill. We just want sex completely out of the elementary school classrooms. And it's mostly right, but it's a little bit wrong too, because if you're reading a storybook, if you're reading a fairy tale to, to five-year-olds or six-year-olds in story time class, that might involve a marriage. I think that's fine. I don't think that's awful, terrible indoctrination for, for a story that's read in kindergarten to be about a family. But I do think it would be wrong for the story read in kindergarten to be about a thruple living in Brooklyn. I think husband and wife with two little cute kids and a dog in the yard, I think you're allowed to, you should be allowed to read that story. And I think uh, transgender Sally marrying pansexual Jupiter and, and living in a co-op in, in Crown Heights, I don't, I don't think you should read that to kindergartners. I think, I think we're allowed to have norms and to say this behavior is actually normal behavior and ought to be encouraged. And it doesn't mean that we're going to ostracize and be really mean to people who don't quite fit that mold, who, who don't, who don't want to do that, who don't want to live in that way. But we do have a right to our standards and norms, which are collapsing all around the world right now. That slippery slope that the conservatives were warning about for decades, that the libs always made fun of us for warning about, well, we're almost at the bottom of it. We're about as far down as you can go. There's a hor horrifying story just came out of Canada, uh, out of America's hat here, which is important because Canada is a little further down the line on some of these crazy social policies, but we, we very likely will end up where they are. The headline is, woman with chemical sensitivities chose medically assisted death after failed bid to get better housing. This is a woman, she's 51 years old in Ontario. She says that she has severe sensitivities to chemicals and she chose assisted suicide to kill herself because she was living in Salvation Army housing and she, she couldn't get a, a, an apartment where she wasn't smelling cigarette smoke or where she wasn't smelling other cle cleaning materials. And it was, it was manageable before COVID, but then when the government locked her up at home during COVID, she, she couldn't get out. And in, what she complained about too was that during COVID, people were smoking more, people were cleaning more. So this, these chemicals were floating through the air. She was hypersensitive to it. And so she chose to kill herself. A lot of people are focusing on how awful it was that she couldn't find better housing 
because she had this medical condition. It's worth pointing out, this medical condition probably doesn't exist. This idea of, of a hypersensitivity to the smell of chemicals, there is no scientific evidence that there's any such thing. It's not really a firm medical diagnosis. There's a similar uh, pseudo-medical condition called electromagnetic hypersensitivity. It's actually the central plot point for the first few seasons of, of Better Call Saul, the spinoff of, of Breaking Bad. It's not, if not the central plot point, it's a very major plot point to it that one of the characters thinks that he has a hypersensitivity to electricity, but he doesn't really. It's, it's, a, it's really a mental condition. And so I suspect, I don't, we, we don't know, there's no real scientific conclusion on this, but I suspect what happened here is a woman with some mental problems was driven mad, madder by COVID and doctors allowed an otherwise healthy 51-year-old woman to kill herself. The problem here is not the cruel society that didn't get her a better apartment. The problem here is assisted suicide, which should not be permitted anywhere at any time. Because when it is permitted, and this is the perfect example of the slippery slope, I think the act is wrong in and of itself, and it not, should not be permitted. And if people are, have the worst, most terrible conditions and a lot of pain, you can give them pain medication, you can give them palliative care, but you should not be allowed to kill yourself. It's disordered and it's intrinsically wrong. But the slippery slope is a big problem too. The minute they legalize these things, especially in Europe and Belgium and the Netherlands, all of a sudden it wasn't just the most terminally ill who have days to live. All of a sudden then it was people who have emotional problems. It, it was people who actually changed their mind, but they were killed anyway. It was kids, some kids now, teenagers are allowed to kill themselves like this. This is the sign of a truly sick society. And unlike electromagnetic sensitivity or chemical sensitivity, this sickness is real and we can measure it and it's getting worse. You know, if there's one thing we can be sure of, it's that Disney is screwing up. They're screwing up our kids and they're screwing up their own company, by the way, which is why The Daily Wire is investing $100 million into creating a platform for kids, for kids, just to entertain them, to give them our basic values, basic norms, but we're not putting political message first, okay? We're putting entertainment first. And we've hired the VeggieTales writers to help create our first two children's shows, Chilla Time, about a family of homeschooled chinchillas, and Doodles with Noodles, that centers on a man and his puppet giving drawing lessons. I could probably use them, giving my painting abilities. In order to change the culture, you got to make the culture. And Daily Wire is making the culture. Thing is, we need your help. Today, you can head to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code BUILDTHEFUTURE for 45% off your membership. The offer ends today. We've never offered something like this 45% off, but we need it. We need your support more than ever. Uh, We're so appreciative for your support so far. It's allowed us to do what we've done and break the mold and really, really grow. We need your support. Head on over, subscribe right now. We'll be right back with a lot more. How do we make the country less radical, less crazy, and more conservative? We've had lots of ideas in recent decades, and they haven't really worked. Sometimes you'll hear conservatives talk about our big victories. Oh, we've had big victories with the judges and the courts and on policy. Have we? Because now we're transing the kids. So it seems like we've lost every single battle. It seems like marriage has been completely redefined, and the family has been cracked. I, I hope not irreparably, but possibly. Our foreign policy is in complete disarray. Our economy is in the doldrums. Gas is through the roof. Inflation is at all-time highs. We've got regularly political activists burning down the country, crime spiking everywhere. And now we can't even say that boys are girls, or boys aren't girls, rather. 
We, unless you're a biologist. And even then you're not allowed to say it. the Supreme Court nominee can't say what a woman is. She was picked because she's a woman and she can't even say that she's a woman. So no, I don't think we've won. I think we've lost. I think we've lost everything. So whatever the old playbook was, which is be quiet on the social issues and uh, placate whatever handful of squishy corporate billionaires and, and do whatever they want us to do and just cut taxes, that's not working. So we got to think outside the box. How are we going to make the country more conservative? Charlie Kirk just offered an idea. His idea is stop building tall buildings and build flatter buildings. We have a huge housing crisis in our country, the likes of which we have not seen in a long period of time. But I believe that we need to build horizontally, not vertically. It's one of my speeches. Developers don't like it when I say this, but it's true. The higher the building, the more liberal the voter. It just is. So, and if you are, the closer to the ground you are, the more conservative you are. We should, we should encourage people to spread horizontally and not vertically. Look at Denver. The higher the high rises, has Denver become less free or more free? It's become a dystopian nightmare. You guys know that. Now you might say, Charlie, that's a correlation of the causation. Think about it. If you're on the 32nd floor renting, not owning, if you're not in the weeds and in the yard and understanding what it takes to grow food and to maintain land, are you going to be more or less likely to actually be a conservative? The higher the building, every single study shows they become more liberal over time. It's happening in Phoenix, happened in Denver, happened in Atlanta, happened in Dallas, happened in Chicago, happened everywhere, and yet few people actually say that out loud. Whatever. All the libs are making fun of Charlie and some of the really fancy, fashionable conservatives. They're all making fun of Charlie, you idiot. Oh, here he goes. Here goes crazy Charlie Kirk saying, what, there's a problem with skyscrapers or architecture and that's what's making the country more liberal? Uh, yeah in part. Yeah, he's totally right. He's totally right. This is not only true. I saw this clip because the left-wing organization Media Matters tweeted it out. And I thought, oh, good job, Media Matters. I'm glad that you are making this go viral because not only is what Charlie said obviously true, but it's one of the most insightful things I've ever heard him say. And this is something that conservatives once understood. Place matters. Architecture matters. Frankly, it matters a lot more than tax rates. Roger Scruton, the late conservative philosopher, one of the more important conservative philosophers of our age, he just died a few years ago. Scruton said, if you want to conserve a a place, if you want to conserve a country, if you want people to be more conservative, they need to like where they live. It needs to be beautiful. Every place that you are in is either going to slightly elevate your spirits or lower your spirits. One of the best things that Donald Trump did as president, uh, not that it's going to have much of an effect probably, is that he signed an executive order called Make Our Federal Buildings Beautiful Again. Because, you know, you walk through Washington, D.C. On the one hand, you see this beautiful neoclassical architecture, and you think, this is big. This is beautiful. This is inspiring. This lifts my eyes up. You look at the Supreme Court. It's a it's a beautiful building that raises you up, that, that makes you stand a little straighter, that makes you feel a little bit more dignified. And then you look at, I don't know, the African American History Museum or the Native American History Museum or any of these modern buildings that are ugly or even b- beyond those sort of monument type things on the mall. You look at just the, the office buildings from, that were built in the 60s, 70s, up until the present, and they're soulless and they're ugly and they're brutal and they lower your spirits. It's like the difference between you come into New York, but they actually just fixed up Penn Station. It's a lot nicer now. But before they did that, 
You come into New York and you go into Grand Central and that's on the east side. You walk in to the Grand Central train station and you feel big. You feel like you're in the city. You feel like you're, you're, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. You come into Madison Square Garden, right? You're underneath Madison Square Garden in the, the Penn Station that they, that, they had after they knocked down the beautiful old one. You feel like a rat running through a maze. You don't feel dignified. You feel dirty. You feel low. You feel small. This is a really important point. I hope conservatives get it. Edmund Burke, who is the, considered the father of modern conservative thought, he was an aesthetic philosopher. He was, he was a man who thought about the, what beauty does to us. There's a line, Charlie's line, then I'll get off this point, but it really struck me as so true. It, it was almost Chestertonian. G.K. Chesterton, the great, great uh, writer, conservative Christian writer, he made this point in one of his detective stories about uh, Father Brown. He had this detective series, the Father Brown series. And he puts in the words of, uh, in the mouth of Father Brown this statement. I think there's something rather dangerous about standing on these high places, even to pray. Heights were made to be looked at, not to be looked from. Look at that blacksmith, for instance, a good man, but not a Christian, hard, imperious, unforgiving. Well, his Scotch religion was made up by men who prayed on hills and high crags and learned to look down on the world more than to look up to heaven. Humility is the mother of giants. One sees great things from the valley, only small things from the peak. I knew a man who began by worshiping with others before the altar, but who grew fond of high and lonely places to pray from, corners or niches in the belfry or the spire. And once in one of those dizzy places where the whole world seemed to turn under him like a wheel, his brain turned also, and he fancied he was God. He thought it was given to him to judge the world and strike down the sinner. He would never have had such a thought if he had been kneeling with other men upon a floor. But he saw all men walking about like insects. He saw one especially strutting just below him, insolent and evident by a bright green hat, a poisonous insect. Perfectly sums up that those two views of the world. When you're up in that high rise in New York, you look down, the world is so small. All those little people, they look like ants. But when you're down on the ground, on your knees, looking up into the sky, into the mountains, you feel your own place. You feel that you are small. You have a little bit of humility and you see the greatness and, and beauty of the world. So all of that to say, Charlie's right. Let's build more beautiful buildings and stop building soulless high rises in the cities that are turning all of our countrymen into big libs. You know what's not turning our countrymen into big libs? CNN, because nobody's watching it. There are new numbers out from CNN Plus. CNN Plus is CNN's version of the Daily Wire. CNN is this old cable company. They've been a very prominent force in cable for decades now. And then they look at our company, The Daily Wire, which has exploded as a digital streaming service. And they say, okay, we want to do that. So they start a product called CNN Plus. It's a subscription digital streaming service. And they hire Chris Wallace, this big name. He's been in journalism forever. His father was a huge name in journalism. They hire him away from Fox News. He's going to be the big anchor on the CNN Plus platform. How many people do you think are using CNN Plus? According to a report that just came out from CNBC, Fewer than 10,000 daily users. Think about right now, just on this one show, when you think of all the platforms that we're on, just on this one show here, we have hundreds of thousands of listeners and viewers just here, just, just one show. How many shows do we have? How many different people are engaging with the different shows every day? Just the subscriber base, just the subscribers alone to Daily Wire, it's 600,000. We started in a pool house seven years ago. CNN is supposed to be the biggest name in news. 
CNN can't muster 10,000 daily listeners. Chris Wallace is apparently blowing his casket over this. There's a report that just came out that Chris Wallace uh, is uh, having daily breakdowns. This is from the reporter John Nicosia uh, over the miserable launch of CNN Plus. He says he wants a TV show where he's going to walk. It's just he can't get over how terrible the launch has been. I know why the launch is so terrible. I know, because for the first time in a long time, CNN is open to the market. For a long time, CNN has not really had to be accountable to market forces because CNN gets bundled up in cable. It's got a long legacy name and because they put it on in airports. People don't sit down on their couch and watch CNN. People walk by CNN when they're going from terminal to terminal in the airport. But it doesn't matter because the cable companies aren't going to remove it because it's all bundled up together and it doesn't matter what viewers want. Now, CNN is offering a service that actually requires them to provide value for their customers. And it's failing because they don't provide value to their customers. Because the only way the libs are able to push their nonsense is by forcing it down our throats at gunpoint. And when they don't do that, it's not, it doesn't work, which is why the libs are clamping up before November because they know, gosh, the th- w- this stuff ain't selling. This is, oh, what we're offering is not playing in Peoria. So we've got to, we've got to lock down again. We got to extend the mask mandate. We got to push the mail-in ballots. We got to do whatever we can to be, an- to avoid being answerable to the voters. Look at Kamala Harris's job approval rating. So Kamala Harris's job approval rating, I misspoke. I misspoke earlier when I was talking to Jen. I said that Kamala's job approval rating is 35%. That's true, but only in one specific context. Kamala's approval rating is actually in the 20s nationally. The 35% number comes from California, Kamala's state that she represented in the U.S. Senate where she was the attorney general. Kamala's approval rating is 35% in one of the bluest states in America. That's not according to some right-wing poll. That's according to the Berkeley Institute of Government Studies. Berkeley, it's the most left-wing place in, on, of any campus just about. 35% approval for Kamala, 45% disapprove. So what are they going to do? They've got to bring back COVID. COVID is going to help them. COVID is going to help them on oil prices, very possibly. And more importantly, COVID is going to help them at the ballot box. So they've got to bring it back. What they are selling, people just know is not true. There, there is a news story. I'll, I'll leave you on this note today. There's a news story out of Metro. Headline is, prepare your pullover if you're driving, sit down. Headline is, ex-soldier exposed her penis and used wheelie bin as sex toy in public. There it is. I'm not making that up. The, ex, the story is tabloid fodder enough. But then there's a scandal on top of the scandal that the tabloid is using her to refer to him. I think it's pretty clear that it's him. Ex-soldier is using her penis. Is she, is she now? Is that the case for her? No. And people just know it's bonkers. This is how I feel about squishy Republicans. I'm all for building coalitions and I get it. A lot of people are to the left of me, but we can maybe still form coalitions. The transgender thing is, is a line in the sand for me. 
if you've got a Spencer Cox or an Asa Hutchinson or these squish Republican governors who, who cave on the transgender issue, Spencer Cox now using preferred pronouns, it, it, you're out of my party. You're out. I don't, and I think this is true for a lot of voters, not even just Republicans, but normal Democrats, normal people in the middle. They say, no, if you're going to, whatever political view has led us to the point that we're referring to her penis, what, whatever it is, I don't know what your, your views on immigration and crime and taxes. I don't know whatever led us to this moment. I'm against it. My political ideology is whatever prevents us from using the pronoun her with male anatomical features, okay? Because we just know it. You don't need a PhD in political philosophy to know that that is completely wrong. And the, the voters know it about what the Biden administration is selling. It's why they don't have a lot of support right now in that administration. And it's why they're trying to clamp down on our rights to express our views, because it's the only way they're going to hold on to any power. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, the left screeches in horror as Elon Musk launches his hostile takeover of Twitter, threatening to allow the open exchange of ideas, the horror. Also, the suspect in the New York City uh, subway mass shooting has an extensive criminal history and yet was allowed to remain on the street until now. That's what criminal justice reform gets you. Plus, Kentucky effectively outlaws abortion. NFTs are once again revealed to be a ridiculous scam. And the ladies of The View descend into hilarious incoherence while attempting to discuss gay marriage. Talk about all that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.